tonight, if you will, join me in our text this morning, which will be found in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 17, verse 8. Matthew 17, 8. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Let us pray. O Lord, how great Thou art. How merciful Thou art. What a great, faithful, and true Lord Thou art. I come this morning asking, Lord, for Thy bidding, that You would be pleased to bid us to Thy table. That indeed, Lord, You would rapture our souls. Bring them forth today to sit at Thy feet, to see Thee only. As we're cumbered with many things in this life, O Lord, may You indeed reveal to us this day the one thing needful and that you would indeed show us that that is thee oh lord may you be pleased and honored and glorified in the message that comes this day that you would be pleased to reveal thy truth to us today for thy glory and thy name's sake in jesus name i pray amen our text is matthew 17 8 this morning as I said, it says, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. I can say today, this morning, that it is my sincere desire for each one of us now in this hour to be brought to see Him only, to see Jesus reign, to see the love of Christ, to understand the depth of His peace, to be given faith that only He can give, to come away. To not see the afflictions that we have that cause us pain, that cause us great turmoil in our soul, that cause us anxiety. To not see or to fear the fears that we have. To not see them as being controlling. To not look at the headlines that we've heard today or seen today or this week that has bothered us. To not look at plans that we may have made for this day the day the Lord has made. To not see anxiety, not even to see me speaking up here, but that truly the Lord would lift up your eyes today and that you would see no man and that you would see Jesus only. It's a remarkable thing to see Jesus only. I, I would classify myself in the 48 years that I've been on this earth, in almost all of my years, to be somewhat of a religious person. Many of my years were spent in, in learning theology and learning things about God. And, and boy, it's easy to get immersed in that stuff. But I tell you what, to see Christ reigning in the Scriptures, to see Christ reigning in your soul, to see Him sitting in heaven, on the right hand of the Father. I know it was the need of the hour then for these disciples. I know it's the need for us now at this hour to see no man, but to see Jesus only. That's my desire today. As we begin this chapter, we know that this is the Matthew's account of what's called the Transfiguration. And we're told after six days, Jesus took, this is in verse 1, he took Peter, James, and John 
I was reading an author this week that said he called them the elect of the elect because they seemed to be the ones that Jesus chose out of the disciples to witness this, the transfiguration, and to witness to be with him when he went in the garden to pray. And don't miss that. They were the witnesses of those things that Jesus at the height here, when they would see him as God, and also when they would see him in his humility. And I, I don't look at these three as being exalted above any others in the church. I see them as being representatives of the church. I see them as being show, the Lord showing the necessity that He would show them the necessity of seeing Christ in the way that He would reveal Himself today as the God-man. So He brought Peter, James, and John, His brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, away, away from everyone, he took them up there and he was transfigured before them. A lot has been written about this. I, I think it's simple. I think it's simple to say that he showed himself as something that was not regular to them every day of their life when he was with them preaching and teaching and in the synagogue. He revealed himself as God that day. He revealed himself in the glory of God. He revealed himself as in the Shekinah glory of God. He was transfigured where where man can't put it into words, where the glories of the heavens were opened and Jesus was sitting there shining before them and His face did shine as the sun and His raiment was white as light. And we're told later that these three, you know, at least two of them wrote about it because it, may, it had a great effect on them. We see Christ today as Christ reveals Himself, but it's the same way, by faith. They couldn't apprehend anything that Christ revealed to them that day. They couldn't, couldn't see Him as glorious. They couldn't see anything unless the Lord opened the heavens for them to see Him, unless the Lord's faith was given to them to understand what was going on before them. And you'll see that in a minute as Peter seems to be lost with what's being revealed to them. So as Jesus um, was transfigured before them, they saw His glory, they saw... Uh, they saw the essence of God and they saw the essence of man perfectly come together. And at this moment, as I said, it was something out of the ordinary where Jesus revealed himself and it would have a great effect on Peter. Peter would write later in 2 Peter 1.16, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables. There was a lot of things put out about Jesus as there is today. There's a lot of false theology out there. There's a lot of man-centeredness. There's a lot of man saying, this is who Jesus is, follow me. But Peter said, we, the children of God, the church, have not followed cunningly devised fables when we, were, when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of His majesty. Peter remembered this later. Peter, it made a profound effect on Peter to see Christ as God. You and I today, it will have the same effect on us to not see Him as man, but to see Him as God. I think as we go through this passage, you're going to see some of the things that we stumble over in this life. Where God the Father is concerned, where the Son is concerned. And there's so much religion out there today that delineates and puts a division between Christ the Father and the Holy Ghost. And, 
and makes Jesus to be someone that the Father's not. Or the Father was this way, but Jesus is this way. But that's not the case. You won't find that in the Word. You'll, you'll see that Jesus over and over said that I and the Father are one. He was a, a perfect representative of the Father. And that's what we see here as He was transfigured before them. It would have an effect upon John also. John wrote in 1.14, And the Word was made flesh. And we and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's very important, full of grace and truth. To behold Christ in his glory is to see him full of grace and truth and mercy and peace and love. That's what he is to his children. But He's also perfectly just. He's perfectly holy. He's perfectly perfect as God and man. Paul would write in Colossians 1, no, I'm sorry, Colossians 2, 9, for in Him, that's in Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We see that in this passage. Jesus revealed Himself as having the entire Godhead showing forth in Him as the, the glory of the Father, as the glory of the Holy Ghost, as the glory of Himself. So, as I've said, it's so important. I know that one of the things that stuck with me over the years, I've, I've read a lot, I've read of all, all of everything that Thomas Bradbury wrote. I've read it once or two times, but, but I remember that's one of the things that, that he was asked as it got later in his life, you know, that's big for some people. What do you want on your tombstone? Or what do you, what do you want to be remembered by? Or that was always, it's always there in the, in the forefront of man's mind. How do you want to be remembered? And Bradbury's answer was, I want to be remembered as a Trinitarian. One who did not, who saw the, the glory of God, the three in one. Not to the exalting of one to harm the other or to put down the one and pit them against each other as, as religion did at that day and certainly still does today. And I hope that's our desire to see Him that way too. To see the Lord highly lifted up this way. And He was transfigured before them and His face did shine as the sun and His raiment was white as, light, as the light. And behold there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. It's interesting that these two were, were chosen. Moses, and it's, it's, it's easy to understand, Moses was a representative of the law, but Elijah was a representative of the prophets. But these, Moses, who God buried, no man today knows where Moses was, was buried. Nobody ever saw his, his uh, body buried. Nobody knows where he's buried. And here he is appearing on the mountain. Elijah, who was taken up in a whirlwind, never to see death. But the interesting thing to me, and may not be to you, but it is to me, is that they were recognized. That Peter, James, and John, Moses died 1,500 years earlier. Elijah went up into heaven 900 years earlier. But Peter, James, and John knew them as Moses and Elijah. How could that be? And it tells us something. It, it, is a, it is that sweet thing that tells us that in heaven, or when we, when we, we will understand who the brethren are. We'll, we'll be able to identify them. 
Not to the point where we're about to see where they're lifted up, but to see Christ work, to see what we are in Christ, to see the fulfillment and, and, and that day, what we'll see Him as He is. But we'll be known as we're known. I thought about that when I read that, and, and, and that's what struck me. I said, how do they know? How do they know what Moses looked like? How do they know what Elijah looked like? But the saints have that kinship with one another. They have that understanding. It'll be revealed to them who the elect are and who, who we are in glory. But we see them transfigured right here before they're, uh, or that we see them talking with Jesus who's, who's transfigured before their eyes and they're having a conversation. And then Peter, which we've, we've learned many times in the Scriptures, we have him as one who was always the spokesman. Was all, seemed to be the guy who always spoke for the disciples. And, and, and um, Luke's account said that he just woke up. Mark's account said that he was very afraid. So we think about that as just being woken out of a nap or whatever he had woken out of. We think of Luke's account that says, or Mark's account that said he was afraid, and then we get this kind of reaction. Peter said, and then answered Peter, and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. It is profitable for us to be here. Peter knew when he saw Elijah and when he saw Moses and he saw Jesus transfigured, he knew that this was a very important time. That God was revealing something. He didn't know what. But he knew that it was very important for them to see Christ this way. And he speaks out as he always did. He says, it's good for us to be here. If thou wilt. Now this was a, an Old Testament tradition, was it not? We saw it in the Old Testament when, when one would die, they'd, they'd make a pillar or something to the ones that died and... They'd make a monument to remember people by. We still have it in society today. They put monuments everywhere. So Peter says, you know, this is an important day. So Lord, if thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles. Let us make three little areas of stone here to remember this day. Let's make three. Let's make one for thee, Lord. Let's make one for Moses. And let's make one for Elijah. And immediately, if you're sitting there in that chair, and like me, when I, when I read this now, I mean, I'm sure early in my life I didn't see anything wrong. I didn't see anything wrong with Jesus being put on equal par with the law and putting on equal par with, with the prophets as He was a great teacher. And, and, and as I saw man, and as man was revealed to me as this great part that He had in some kind of religious way, that it was important for man to come through and man to show forth Himself. But that wasn't God's plan. That's not God's plan today. And as Peter spoke and talked about having one made for Moses and one tabernacle made for Elijah and one made for Jesus, we're not told that he wanted to exalt one or the other. He just said, let's make three. Sounds like a good idea. Let's make sure we never forget this day. And we can, it's, a, it's a wonderful thing that we see Elijah. And truly, it was. And it's a wonderful thing that we saw Moses. And it was. But if that's what you see as the law in your life, 
If that's what you have is the have-tos and must-tos and the obedience of the law, if all you've got is the teaching of men and all you have is what you've heard or what tradition has passed down to you, you'll always put Christ right there with them. And He'll never be exalted. And that's the problem today and that's one of the, the, the easy ways to go to sleep. The easy ways in this life to be slothful. The easy way in this life to get caught up with everything but just put Jesus in that little box. We'll take Him out when we need Him. We'll go to work. We'll go to school. We'll go do the things we have to do. We'll try to be good. We'll try to keep the law. And then when we go to learn or we, we listen to our parents or we listen to those, the, the Christians around us or we listen to the preacher and we listen to them and that's all we need. We can, we can be taught that way and, and that's very important because to be taught and to be obedient and to bring Christ in, that's all we need to do. Peter, who was a Jew, of course this was the way of the Jews, to always exalt the law and always to exalt their obedience and always to exalt what the tradition. We see that a lot throughout the Word of God. Traditions, one thing passed down to the other. It's very important. The prophets were very important. But who did the prophets speak of? Who does these Scriptures speak of? So while he spake in verse 5, uh, chapter, yeah, verse 5, while he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. Don't miss that. The Father comes in this, in this bright cloud and it overshadows them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. There were three people there. I'm not talking about Peter, James, and John. There was Elijah, there was Moses, and there was Jesus. And the Father preached from heaven the one that we are to hear. The one that's been, the one who has fulfilled the other two. He is our prophet. He is the fulfillment of the law. I, I, I think about Jesus and what that meant in the in the fulfilling of the law and how how much the law seemed to be um, insurmountable to man how horrific the father seemed to be hold your finger here let me explain that term that I just used turn over to um, Exodus Exodus chapter 20. This is what it reminded me of because it got the same it got the same reaction from Peter and James and John. In Exodus 20, beginning in verse 18, it says, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. The, God's glory was seen in this mountain from the standpoint that the mountain thundered. The people knew if they came close to the mountain and they touched the mountain, they would surely die. It's important for us. It is so important for us 
Because if it's not revealed to us the holiness of God, we're going to sit and fall right into the trap that man has set for us today that he has put God on an equal level with the superheroes and all the things that are in society today. If God's holiness is not revealed to us, we will make God out whatever we want Him to be. That's what our fallen nature will do. If God's holiness is not revealed to us, we will never see Him as He is. That's what was being revealed to them. They saw it, they were moved, they stood far off. When we see the holiness of God, the holiness of God and the purpose of the law was to reveal sin. And that's what the holiness of God does in the child of God's life. It brings us, according to Romans 3, the law brings us as a schoolmaster to Christ. It can't bring us to, it just brings us to the outside of Christ. It can't, it can't bring us to the promised land. Moses couldn't enter into the promised land. But according to Romans 3, it does shut our mouth. It does. Have you had your mouth shut lately? Have you seen the glory of God and the fullness of His holiness that it has shut your mouth before Him? To say, Lord, Thou art holy. Thou art worthy. You are the one that, that should receive all honor and all glory. You are the magnificent one. Do we see the Lord this way in, in, in His holiness and His perfection? That He can't look on sin. That all sin must be punished. Must be. Because He is perfectly holy. And that's what they saw. And they said unto Moses, verse 19, Speak thou with us. We need someone to speak in between us and God. We need a mediator. We need one to join us to, to the Father. We can't come to Him. He's too holy. Speak. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. We are worthy of death. We are sinful. All of our righteousnesses are filthy rags. There's not one of us that does good. No, not one of us. Lord, we need a mediator. We need one to, to, to show us to join us to the Father because we're unworthy. And so they said to Moses, Moses, speak to him. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not. Moses was shadowing, foreshadowing Christ. Moses was a picture of Christ in his life. Moses was the mediator that stood between the people and God and joined the two together. But Moses wasn't perfect. Moses couldn't enter into the promised land. The law can't. Moses was a child of God. Moses is in heaven. But as the lawgiver, he was a type. He was allowed to see the promised land. And that's all the law as a schoolmaster can do. Can show you. But it can't reveal the essence of what Christ has done. It can't give you life. It can't give you forgiveness. It can just show you what you've done wrong. 
And if you haven't experienced that in your life through your own obedience, the Lord has never revealed Himself as holy. If you think that you can obey and you can keep and all that you do brings you merit to God, you haven't seen and been revealed the merit of Christ. And don't forget, Moses could not enter in because of sin. Because of the smiting of the rock. Because of disobedience. And we look at Moses and go, wow, he did everything God told him to do. I hope as you see the Scriptures as the Holy Spirit comes to you, shows you how far short we fall. We need a mediator. We need one to join us to the Father. Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that His fear may, may be before your faces that you sin not. Now back to our text in Matthew 17. In verse 5, Jesus, the Father said, Hear ye Him. Hear ye Him. We had heard this at His baptism, but now He adds, Hear ye Him. Hear ye Him above the prophets. Hear ye Him above the law. Hear ye Him. Peter said, well, Isaiah said in 42.21, The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. That's what He did in Christ. That's what He did by the righteousness of Christ. You know, I'm, I'm so amazed in this passage. The Lord revealed the glory of Himself to Peter. Peter heard the voice of the Father. And we don't have to go far before we see a great fall in Peter. Unbelief. Running away from Christ. Disowning Christ. We must be kept. Seeing the glory of the Father or hearing the Father's voice and seeing the glory of the Son. That won't keep us. Our, what we get in our mind and what we get in our head, what we see with our eyes, it won't save us. Only Christ can. Only He brings that to us over and shows us that grace and truth came by Him. David said in Psalm 71, 16, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of Thy righteousness, even of Thine only. That's one who had Christ revealed to him, who had the triune God revealed to him and was zealous that the crown was on the head of his Lord. That's what hear ye him. That's when the Lord says to us, there's one shepherd, there's one flock, and my sheep will hear my voice and they shall follow me. That's the gloriousness of the Gospel. That's the gloriousness of what what the Father said here. Hear ye Him. And we will hear Him. We, We are told in the Word of God, we will hear Him. Because He's faithful and true to reveal Himself. He is faithful and true to bring us to see Him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. That's the reaction we just read in Exodus. 
That's the same reaction we have. When, when Peter heard the Father, when he saw the glory of the Son, when all three of them heard it, what, other, what else can you do? I don't, I don't know about you. I don't know when the Lord reveals Himself to you if this is what is resident in your soul. Is there a holy fear of the Lord? Is there an awe that says, Lord, I, I am altogether undone. I am filthy. And Lord, without You, I can do nothing. Not as a co-pilot. Not as one that I need to join in my hand and say, Lord, let's go together and perform this. But as one who has done all things for me. Who has performed all things for me. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face. That is a sign of worship. It is a sign of reverence. Has faith led you to this reverence for this Lord? This holy Lord who reveals Himself as holy. Who reveals Himself as just and sovereign in all that He does. When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And then Jesus came. See that? That's the faithfulness of the shepherd. Jesus came. He sees his, his sheep. He sees that they've been brought low because He and the Father and the Holy Ghost have brought them low. He comes to them to lift them up. They can't lift themselves up. They've been brought down under the mighty hand of God, the holiness to see the goodness of God. And when we see the goodness of God, that's why repentance is necessary and present because we are revealed our unworthiness. And Jesus came. That's the Gospel. Jesus came. He came to save sinners. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to mend that which has been broken by sin. He came to take our sins away. He came to wash us and renew us. He came to be our substitute. He came to stand in our place. To do all that we could never do. He came. And Jesus came and He touched them. And that is the whole message of the Gospel. Jesus must touch your soul. He must touch you with Him. Not emotion. Not guilt. Not have to. Not must to. Not legal obedience. Not duty faith. He must touch you in your soul. He must come and touch them. And when He said His very first words, His very first words, this is the exercise of faith, is arise. Because He is life. He is the power of life. And when Lazarus came forward, he didn't come because he could come. He, be, he came because there was a power greater than him that said, come. And you and I will arise in Christ Jesus when the Lord says, arise and be not afraid. Only He can take that fear. Only He can take that anxiety. Only He can reveal Himself as that great mediator. 
Paul wrote about it in 1 Timothy 2.5. He said, There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Paul was revealed that it had to be Christ. I hope you and I are revealed the same today. That it must be Him. And, and if so, if He increases, we must, it is an absolute gospel must, we must decrease. And we won't decrease of our own volition. We will decrease when the Lord reveals the glory of Himself, the holiness of Himself, the goodness of Himself. Jesus came and He touched them and He said, Arise, be not afraid. And that leads us finally to our text. Our text that says, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. We'll look just at the first part. So it says to them, Arise and be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, that shows us that they're in a position where Christ is exalted. That is the only way you and I will see Christ. Peter had a problem. He put Christ on even terms with the law and the prophets. When you and I do it, we will never see Christ reigning. Never. When we put Him on even with tradition or ourselves or man, you will never have Christ revealed. This is the position of Mary at His feet. This is the position of the, the, the gathering demoniac that was brought to His feet. This is the position of the sheep. They are brought to the feet of Christ when he had lifted when they when he lifted up their eyes when they lifted up their eyes which shows us that they must be lifted up he must increase that's what john 3:30 says he must increase we must decrease i must decrease isaiah said in isaiah 33:5 the lord is exalted for he dwelleth on high he hath filled zion with judgment and righteousness did you see that they perfectly kiss each other in Christ. Mercy and truth and judgment and righteousness. Perfection in Christ. Oh, it is mercy for the sheep. It is perfect justice for the sheep. It is perfect righteousness for the sheep. But I guarantee you it's judgment for the goats. It is holy and perfect judgment. I don't have to guarantee it. It doesn't matter what I say. That's what the Lord said. Acts 5.31 says, Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Christ is exalted today. He sits at the right hand of the Father. For you and I to see Him, we must be brought low. We must be brought in the position of being emptied to be filled with Christ. To see Him in His righteousness. To see, what, what did it say? Exalted for repentance and forgiveness. 
That's the love that covers the multitude of sin. That's the Christ who saves His people from their sins. That's the Lord who washes us and renews us in, the, in that labor, in the blood of the Lamb, that fountain that's, that's open for us every day as the Lord reveals it and applies it to our soul. Paul wrote in Philippians 2, 9 and 10, Wherefore God also has highly exalted Him. He's been exalted by the Father and has given Him a name which is above every name. Now you think about that a minute. You think about the people you love. You think about your children. You think about your husband, your wife, the dear ones, the, the children of God. You think about all the names in your life. And you think about your own name. You think about how much you care about that name, what people think about that name, what you go your life to, to build up your reputation, whatever that name is. And yet the Lord says, and God says in His Word, that God has given Him a name that is above every name. That is when we see Jesus reigning. That is when we lift up our eyes. That's when our eyes are lifted up to see Him. It's above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth. That's you and I. That's you and I. And things under the earth. It's a name that's been exalted above every name. Every name. I think, I hope the Holy Spirit takes that right there and seizes upon you with it. Starts to, starts to work in your soul and say, is that true? Is it true? Is His name exalted in my life more than any other name, including my own? Am I zealous for His name more than I'm zealous for my name? Do I care about my reputation or do I care about His? Because that's when we see Him reigning. That's when He's <laughs> exalted on high. That's when our eyes are lifted up to see Him. Because then all of mankind, including ourselves, is swallowed up. We beheld His glory. We behold His glory as the God. But the second half of this verse says, they saw no man save Jesus only. And the only way to see no man is by Him alone. That faith that's given to the children of God, it cannot stand in the wisdom of men. It cannot be the faith of tradition. It cannot be the faith of man saying to you, believe. It cannot be. It's empty. It's empty profession. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2.5 that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. They saw no man save Jesus only. We, we have such trouble down here seeing men, listening to men. We, there's certain people we follow. Whatever it is, we, we have experts that we listen to. And when we listen to them, some of the things we hear cause us to stumble, cause us to get worried, whether it's a doctor, whether it's somebody on TV, whether it's something in our vocation that we do. And we hear reports. We, we get shaken. It's so needful 
and imperative. And, and it's where life is. is to hear Christ and to see no man save Jesus only. That's the faith. The faith that stands in the power of God and not in the wisdom of man. But we also need to consider Him only. Hebrews 2, 9 says, But we see Jesus. Paul wrote, But we see Jesus. As an alternative to seeing what the world sees. As an alternative to all these other things that exalt themselves against, whether it was angels, whether it was the law, whether it was um, other men or teachers. Paul said, We see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And if we be in Christ in this room, if all of us are, He has tasted death and perfected resurrection for every one of us in here. That's seeing Him. That is, that is resting in seeing Jesus only. Not death. Not the things that trouble us here. But Christ. Christ reigning. Hebrews 3.1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. Is he the apostle? Is he the teacher of you? Is He the leader of you? Is He, the, is he your life? It's, a, it's an amazing thing. The depth of Christ's long-suffering toward us to reveal Himself to us who don't believe Him every day. His long-suffering and mercy toward us to reveal Himself as Lord even when we make ourselves Lord or others. I thought about Zacchaeus and the account of Zacchaeus and there's a verse um, in Luke 19.3 It says, And he sought to see Jesus who he was. Zacchaeus had a desire given him, that's the faith, not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God that was given to him to climb a tree to see Jesus. Whatever it took, he was small in stature, so he couldn't measure up to the other men. He couldn't see over their shoulders. But this verse tells us he sought to see Jesus who he was. I desire that we desire to see Jesus who he was and who he is and who he is today. Not who man makes him to be. Not who the devils make him to be. Not who our fallen nature makes him to be. But who he is who He was, who He is. And he, and he could not for the press because He was little of stature. But there was a holy desire given there. A faith that transcended the thoughts of men and, and the power of God to reveal. We need to see Him, as we've touched on earlier, as the only name and the only one. Acts 4.12 says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Must. But that must is transferred to Him. Salvation is in Him. Salvation is in His finished work. 
Salvation, there's no other name. No other one to rely on. No other one that will never let us down. It's our faithful brother. It's our faithful, the faithful God. And finally, the last verse I'll share with you before we end in Hebrews is Matthew 28, 20. You may know that. It's engraved in my wallet. (laughs) Daughter bought it for me. It says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. As Christ is revealed as exalted and to see Jesus only. You know, Peter will shortly leave Jesus. But Jesus never left Peter. It's very instructive to me, Peter's life, because I see a lot of my life paralleling Peter's. And I know that's why the Holy Ghost put it on record, because many of the children of God fall prey to this, looking at life and following life and being fearful and denying Christ and the way of Christ and the way of suffering. And we don't want to do that. And we don't want to, we can't be zealous and we can't do this. And one minute we're cutting off an ear and the next minute we're cursing his name. But Jesus is faithful. He's with us always, even to the end. He's he's the one, and, and it's a horrible cliche just to say he's the one we can count on, but it's the way we understand it. It's the way we understand things down here. What can I count on? Everything down here seems to let it, the be, even the most newest things we buy, there's flaws in them. They can, you know, new car, can the battery can die, or whatever it is. But Christ doesn't. He doesn't leave His people. I want to end today, as we finished our text, I want to end in Hebrews 1 and just read the first three verses of Hebrews 1. May the Lord minister to us today in the reading of this. Our text is, And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, that was in time past. That's, that's what just happened today. The Lord revealed that now you'll hear the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd is the voice to hear. We've been taught. We've all been taught. We've all sat under the truth. It's nece- the necessity is to hear his voice. Spake and passed unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to, unto us by his son. The last days is the days that the Lord came and He set up His kingdom. We're in those last days. And He still speaks to His children today. And He always will. So we just said, even to the end of the age, even to the end of the world, He is faithful to do so. He's spoken to us by His Son. Paul is making the contrast here that there was a time that Jesus wasn't here on this earth. But He has. He now has come in time. He has come to save His people from their sins. The church now, their message going forward is Christ and Christ alone. There's salvation in no other. But in these days He's spoken unto us by a Son whom He has appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power. Get, get, get that. Let that verse sink in. He is God. And He upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had by Himself, 
no cooperation from man, by Himself purged our sins. It's not you asking for forgiveness. It's Him performing perfect repentance, perfect forgiveness. He's the gift of that, the giver of that gift. He is. He brings you to wash in Himself, in His blood. When He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. That's where the Lord is today. He's reigning. Is He your reigning Lord? Is He the King of kings? Is He the Lord of lords? If so, if so, you could join me in the reading of this text one more time and understand it and know and say, yes, I know what it's like to be brought there. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. May the Lord reveal that to us in this hour and as we go from this place in the hour to come that we see no man but Jesus only. To Him be all glory. Dear Heavenly Father, may uh, Thy power and Thy clarity Thy love and Lord, may You be seen. May You be heard. May You be followed in the day of Your power by Thy glory for Thy name's sake and by Thee alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.